Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us each week. This segment is brought to you by... And now, this. From our Art Deco virtual studios, overlooking the Valley of Coolville, it's time to kick the flux capacitor and head back in time to your favorite retro pop culture trivia show... Wait, I know this. Get it, homies. It is time to get things cranking, and oh, it's time for Wait, I Know This again. And Myla, are you in the room? Are you ready for a good bat time tonight? Oh, I say I am ready. I've tuned into the bat time at the right bat channel, and <laughs> I'm doing the bat Tuesday as we speak. I, I got nothing. No, but we are super, super excited because I think all the little fan people out there, I don't want to just say fanboys because there's plenty of fangirls too, That's are right. really going to appreciate this evening. Yes, right, Eric? Yeah, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And by the way, it is time for Wait, I Know This, the uh, pop trivia show that uh, really takes you back in the day that's for sure as our intro says we're going to kick the flux capacitor and take you back to the old uh, trivia of yesteryear and it promises to be a lot of fun we are so excited because this is one of our favorite this is a guest that i've been wanting to get for a long time we actually have a couple of guests tonight one we're waiting on to jump in the room at any time but the other one's already here and let's go ahead and turn the clock back to about 1966, January 12th, 1966, when ABC debuted Batman. And, of course, we all know Adam West and Burt Ward, a part of that show. Came on twice a week, by the way. That was a little bit unusual. In fact, still, to this day, an unusual uh, trait to the show. It came on twice a week, kind of a cliffhanger style, where they would leave you hanging with, the, of course, the voice of yesteryear saying, same bat time, same bat channel. And uh, interesting show, of course. It stuck with us for years and years, although it was only on... For two years, from January 12, 1966 to March the 14th, 1968. But we are excited because, you know what? Everybody's talked to Adam West and Burt Ward. We needed to go to the true source, the true inspiration for the show. And, of course, if you're a, a red-blooded American male, <laughs> you watched for Batgirl. That's what, yes, that's why you watched. We have Yvonne Craig with us tonight. Hi, Yvonne. How are you? Hey, I'm good. We are so excited to have you here tonight. This is going to be a lot of fun, and and as always, Milo and I usually start out with the uh, with the the uh, the story of how in the world did you get to be Batgirl? If you take us back to that time in your career, how did this come about, and uh, you know how did you land the role? Well, um, actually, it it seemed rather easy. I was looking for I was looking for a series to do because I don't know whether you have been told by many people, but anyway, when you do episodic TV and you're the guest star, you look you're recognizable because you do a lot of guest star work. But people don't connect a face with a name, and so my agents and I decided that what I really should be doing is to do a series because then every week you see the same person in the same role, you connect a name with a face, and, and they stop saying, oh, that's, um, um, you see her all the time, what is her <laughs> name? <laughs> so, 
so um, they had done, they were a mid-season replacement in 66 at, for, uh, on ABC. And, um, and they had done it, the, the series with just Adam and Bert and, you know, all of, and Aunt B and I think her name was Aunt B, Harriet, Aunt Harriet. Anyway. Well, no. <laughs> it wasn't Aunt B. Well, that was Opie's hand. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> if I recall correctly. <laughs> anyway, they decided that they wanted to introduce a girl because they were looking for another audience of post 40 year old males and prepubescent females. <laughs> and so now they didn't do demographic studies in those days. They just said, you know, it kind of seems to us that we're not getting those people. And so let's, let's see if we can add a character that will, you know, sort of appeal to that age group. So, they called and said, oh, would you like to come in and talk to us about, you know, doing um, uh, Batgirl on the Batman series? And I had never seen the series. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and people had been saying to me, oh, you should watch it. And all the kids that were going to college were saying, oh, wow, you know, I, I make my whole schedule around when that's going to be on. So I don't take any classes that are going to make me, you know, be in a study room or in a class when it's happening and all of this stuff. And little Miss Pris here said, <laughs> well... I just don't think that television should be should be showing you comic books for goodness sake. I mean, think about Philco Playhouse. So <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> oh my. Yes, yes. How the lady did fall. <laughs> so anyway, my agent called and said they want to see you and I said okay and I had worked for Howie Horowitz who was the online producer. And I had done a pilot years before with uh, William Dozier, and so uh, a pilot called my sister Eileen, and he had called me in actually to audition for that. And unfortunately, <laughs> again, I put my foot in it. He said, "We're going to do this series, and it's called My Sister Eileen, but she has to be a blonde." Which, and I had hair that was long; I could sit on it. And he said, "Would you, uh, you know?" make your hair blonde for this would you and i said no and he said you wouldn't make your hair blonde for this <laughs> and i said well no i mean how about you just put a wig on me there are blonde wigs out there and he said well yes but you see if you became famous from this you know i mean he knew about television i didn't know <laughs> diddly anyway he said if you became, you know, famous or even recognizable from this, and people see you walking on the street and you have your, your dark hair, uh, they're going to know that you're wearing a wig, and then they'll always be looking for wig lace. And I said, well, not if the dialogue is any good. Oh, <laughs> slap. So I came back and told my agent that I had met with Mr. Dozier and that he wanted me to you know, bleach my hair and blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, you didn't say that. And I said, well, it's the truth. And I mean, my word, who's looking for wig lace if people have important things to say? And so he said, you will never work for that man in this business. So Mr. Dozier <laughs> called me in for that girl. <laughs> Well, but if you think about it, though, in the role itself, you know, Batgirl's, uh, her headdress had a different color hair than she had anyway. So. Yes, and he did tell me that. He said, he 
said, the only stipulation they have is that when she is Batgirl, as that character, not Barbara Gordon, she has to wear a red wig. And I said, fine with me. And so, um, so anyway, he called me in and said, you know, would you be interested? Well, I'm sure you've, you've seen our show. And I said, well, actually, I haven't. But when, when you know, if, if I get this role, I will spend the summer catching up and seeing where I fit in. Well, of course, you know, there wasn't a lot of catching up to do because they just, they, they wrote fun segments every week. So there, there wasn't any pith and moment to it. So anyway, um, I did a, it wasn't really a pilot. It was a seven minute presentation that was, um, to be seen only by the executives at ABC. And then they would make the decision as to whether they wanted to incorporate this character. And it was, you know, two characters because it was Barbara Gordon, who was Commissioner Gordon's daughter, and the town librarian, and then her alter ego, Batgirl. And so we did it, and um, and it was very interesting because the fr- I was so excited. And the first... <laughs> first day of the shoot, I leapt out of bed and ran smack into a chair and broke my little toe. Oh, Are no. you kidding? No. Now, I had said to Howie Horowitz, I, I was originally a ballet dancer, and so I said to Howie Horowitz, I can do my own stunts. And he said, oh, no, we, we don't want you to get hurt. And I said, I, I won't get hurt. No. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, choreo- it's choreography. I won't get hurt. And so he said, well, you know, all right, well, we'll let you do, you know, we'll, we'll let you work with the stuntmen for this presentation, but I can't guarantee that you'll do the stunts on the show. So I said, okay, fine. <laughs> so wow. I didn't tell him I had broken my toe because there isn't anything you can do with a small toe that's broken. That's you right. Pull it and tape it to the next toe and press on. So we, we did a scene where I'm supposed to jump through a glass window. And so the stuntman said, you know, cross your arms and go through so you don't get the, the it's not really glass, but it's, um, it's made of like candy material, but it's, like you don't glass. Yeah, but you still don't want to, you know, smack into it. And so I leapt through the window and we did the whole thing and, and, <laughs> and when it was over, the stuntman came over and hugged me and stood on my broken toe. Oh, and ow. so I yelped. Now, by this time, Howie <laughs> then looks down and sees that I have a purple foot. And so he said, you bro- you've done something to yourself. I said, when I got out of bed this morning, I hit my toe. This has nothing to do with this. Well, he wasn't sure he wanted to believe that. <laughs> and so they did hire a stunt girl, and she worked, I guess, about... She worked a couple of shows. She was wonderful because in those days they didn't have many stunt women. And she was just really good. Her name was, what was it, Lori Saunders, I think. Yes. And she watched me walk because she said, I really want to get your walk down. You walk differently than I do. And I thought, oh, thank God, because most of the, the other stunt women walk like wranglers. They look like they just got <laughs> off a horse. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do my own, because I thought, I don't want to look like I got off a horse and walked out of this scene. <laughs> now, of course, we also have to say, speaking of looks, the, the one question I always wanted to know is, when you see it on television, the costume, that girl's sparkly, beautiful costume, oh, yeah. it like it's rubber. But what was it? Was it like sand? No, it, it was... It was difficult to explain and nobody and they don't make it anymore and and so people who try to replicate that costume keep 
keep sending me swatches and saying, is this it? Is this it? And I say, no, but it's close. It was, it was not neoprene because we didn't have it then. It was almost like a girdle fabric, except nobody now remembers <laughs> girdles, so that's difficult. And it had um, lurex. It had, it had silver um, threads woven into it to make it sparkle. Okay, because I'm thinking, because when you look at it, I mean, and you're a lovely lady, but you look poured into it, and it's like it's like so on your skin, it looks like it should be rubber, yeah. but it's not. But I also, no, yeah, no, and not. it was stretch. Wow, yeah, it was stretch fabric, so it was it was it was really comfortable. But keep in mind, Yvonne, there was all the way up the back, and it was just easy in and out. And the only thing they ever worried about was when you sat down and and you know on the set. Um, after you've been doing a lot of work in it, if you sat down, it made the knees baggy. And of course, you know, that girl can't have baggy knees. <laughs> no. And so, uh, and so you'd have to go in and have it taken in because the, it was losing some of its stretch. But Yvonne, but, remember, there were lots of us that didn't mind that you were poured into it. Okay, let me just make that statement <laughs> right now. There were lots okay. of us. <laughs> okay, but then, then I have to ask this question too, and I hope you'll forgive me because I'm just, as, as a woman, who has to wear women's undergarments and is constantly <laughs> trying to fight the scourge BPL. What kind of undergarmentry do you have under that? Because there's no line. Well, first of all, you have a bullet bra because that's all they made in those days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it was a bullet bra that you had on under it, but they gave me a G-string. Really? It, it was like a thong. It was, Holy the, cow. The wardrobe lady made it. That is she crazy. Made, <laughs> she made it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. So they had to make that underwear so that, you know, yeah, so you didn't see a, a panty line. That yeah. is hilarious. Okay. I've, I've learned. Oh, I've learned something. Don't forget, Eric, for the wrap-up. Oh, exactly. Uh, what have we learned today? Yeah, at the end of our show. G-string? Yeah. <laughs> at, at the end of our show, Yvonne, we always say, what have we learned today? This is going on the list. I can tell you oh, that. Okay. Yeah, and now you know what? Let's let's go back. Um, I want to go back to the Star Trek episode, and I know that's probably the two things you're asked about the most. But she was, uh, Yvonne was the Orion slave girl. Was it Marta? Was that her name? Yes. Yes, Marta in yeah. the uh, Whom Gods Destroy episode on and Star Trek. And really, the way people remember that, they say, "Oh, she was the green girl." Yes. I I want to hear about the makeup, and then also working with William Shatner. Those two things. So tell me about the makeup, and then I want to hear how. Oh, Shatner that's went. the makeup's the best part. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Poor William Shatner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you have to get in line to diss him, don't you? Yes, you do. You're right. <laughs> take a number, take a number. Um, anyway, the makeup, well, in the first season of Star Trek and for the intro of all the Star Treks, there is a green woman, and, and that was um, Susan Oliver. And her name was... I, forgotten but anyway and she wore kind of rags i had a really i had really pretty costumes but hers kind of looked like i don't know cave people um but because she came from that same planet they wanted to paint me the same color but nobody could remember what color it was (laughs) so they started experimenting and from the get-go they Finally, five days into a six-day shoot, they found makeup that would stick and that would look green and that was right. But in the interim, I was going through all sorts of problems because (laughs) 
because we shot it, of course, out of sequence. And so at one point they decided that the the guys that were supposed to drag me out just before I'm blown up, they, they drag you out by the arms and they left skid marks on my arms because Ow. the makeup came off. So now I have great skid marks of white on my green arms. And so, <laughs> so they took me back in makeup and they, they put some more makeup on and then they put liquid adhesive bandage you know that you spray on cuts and things in order to to keep bacteria from getting in well they sprayed my arms with that that seemed to work when they were dragging me but when i'm saying please please and i raise my arms don't kill me i looked down and it looked like spanish moss in my pits <laughs> because it it doesn't cling where you perspire. <laughs> so I said I said to the cameraman, "Does this bother you?" And he said, "No, we're far enough away we can't see it." So I said, "Okay." Well, now you see they're doing they're they're pulling them all out and 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 spiffing them up. And I said to somebody who worked on the, on the the DVDs of them. Oh, please tell me you don't see the Spanish moss in my foot. And he said, no, you actually don't. But you saw little holes in, in Shatner's um, shirt in some of those scenes. I don't know what caused those. They look like seed holes to me, but they probably weren't. Um, <laughs> now, I have heard that he was he was difficult to work with. Um, oh, he was es- awful. Especially he back then. Awful. Yes. Yes. Even with the guest stars, because you'd think, like, I mean, I can understand if you had to be on the set with him every day, you know, grief. I have oh, you probably would take Gun to Temple and it would be his. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he just, he is a man with no social skills. And so, uh, so and he's, he was very egotistical. It all had to be, you know, you stand here because I, this is my better side. Um, you say the line this way. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> Nobody ever told him that, you know, acting is about responding to however somebody says the line instead of giving them a line reading. How dare you? Um, and so he was just, he was really awful. And um, at one point, I'm supposed to stab him, and we had a rubber knife, and then he wanted a wooden knife for God knows what reason. (laughs) Okay. And so as I stabbed him, he raised his hand, and he got punctured. And then he went, you know, like a candy ass running around the set, hyperventilating because he was bleeding. (laughs) And so I went over. (laughs) By this time, you've learned to hate him, and so you go over. And the makeup man said, he needs... He needs uh, brandy. And I said, well, I hope you're pouring it on the cut instead of giving it to him. (laughs) (laughs) God. But, I mean, it was his fault. Oh, my gosh. There was no reason in the world to use a wooden knife when you're already using a rubber one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just wacko. Now, as far as, uh, like, you know, let's take it to uh, the series that you're actually on. What was it like to work with um, Adam West and, and Burt Ward? What were they like? You know, that was, we were so lucky. That was the happiest set. All of the oh. crew liked one another. All of the cast liked one another. Oh, cool. All of the guest stars were happy to be there. I mean, it was just a joy <laughs> to get up and go to work every day. And, I, you know, if you do episode, enough episodic TV, you see different sets, and you see, you know, what the dynamic is. And um, we were really, really lucky because ours was just a good, happy set. 
You know, because one of the things I, I think about, too, is that, I mean, it seems that Adam West, you know, I, I don't know if he's kept up with, with recent work, but, I mean, he does a voice on Family Guy. He's done right. other things. He doesn't seem to take himself too seriously. Right. Was that, was that the case, too? I guess well, maybe he's you know, a I mean, lot younger then, and he, and, uh, and he it, you know, it, lots of young people take themselves more seriously than they do when they reach our age. Um, he, he wasn't that... He's changed, but so have all of us. You know, I mean, you just mellow out as you get right. older. Oh, who cares? Well, and, and you know, I but, interviewed um, him. But he was fun, and he was he was he was very welcoming. And when I look back on it, I and I had said this on a panel one day when when we were all up there, and uh, because I had done a uh, the uh, sort of convention circuit for a while and uh and i said he you know that they were very welcoming and especially adam and when you stop and think that they already had you know adam and bert and the commissioner and the police chief and aunt harriet and all and and alfred the butler and then their alter egos those of whom had them you're plus a guest star there isn't a lot of a film time for you. And so, you know, I would have thought, they're just going to say, why are we bringing in another permanent person? I mean, this is just too much. And he never did. He just said, you know, welcome, uh, you know, and and was very nice to me. And at one point, (laughs) at one point he said, now I have very broad shoulders. (laughs) And um, you don't want to get behind me, or it, you won't have any light. And so I thought, <laughs> God, I can't stand egotistical actors. I mean, give me a break. Shouldn't somebody else be saying that? So I got behind him, and it went like the dark side of the moon. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he was just tall enough to block out my key light. It was gone. I could have not been there. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, he does. He was telling I mean, the truth. He what he's, he's telling the truth. <laughs> well, I interviewed him when I worked in Tampa, and he came on the set. This was when uh, TV Land, I believe, was putting the show, but Nick at Night uh, putting the show back on the air. And so he was right. going around doing a, a junket kind of thing. And, and uh, when the camera was off, I asked him, I said, you know, I've, you hear all these stories about how you guys were just, the women were all over you, and the, and the men, of course, loved Yvonne. And he said, you know, that was the truth. He goes, we got a lot of mail from, you know, the, the men writing to Yvonne and the women writing to us. And I said, yeah, but Adam, I heard that that you guys, that a lot of women would come up and ask you, you know, to basically go back to the room with them and he said you know what he goes women would ask us to sleep with them with the costumes on and and i said and i said did you and he goes do you think i'm answering that question (laughs) and i said okay by the time i got there and then bert's book came out you know and yeah that was a big deal he has a really he he has a very fertile fantasy life i think um (laughs) Anyway, he called me and said, I'm going to read you parts of this book, and, and part of it was funny. And so I said, oh, that's funny, Bert. And so then he said, would you write the foreword to my book? And I said, sure. So then he didn't send me the book, and then I was getting ready to leave the country. And so I called him and said, Bert, Bert, if you want me to write the foreword, you know, I am leaving in a week, and, and I'll, I'll be gone for a month. So, um, you know, what kind of... What are we doing here? And he said, oh, just go ahead. You know, you've heard enough of it that you can write. So oh, I, no. I I wrote this forward. And um, 
and then apparently um, uh, the person who was working with him, who was, um, oh, come on, Yvonne, he wrote a lot of the Batmans. Stanley Ralph Ross. And Stanley Ralph Ross said to him, you can't have someone write the foreword who hasn't read the book. Give it to her. So he gave me this book, and it was relentlessly sexual in, 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 ah. in content. And, and, <laughs> and it was just, I didn't know what to do with it. And so now I'm reading it, and I'm reading it, and I'm <sighs> sighing and reading it some more. And my husband said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm trying to get through this book. I have to write the foreword for it. And he said, skim it. And I, he said, what's wrong with it? I said, it's just relentlessly sexual. And I mean, who cares? And so he said, no. well, just skim it. So I said, no, I have to read every word. So then I changed my my foreword, but... It was very. It was. It was the best creative writing I've ever done, because <laughs> I honestly didn't know what to say, because I was on that set, and a lot of the things that he said happened could not have happened on the set. It might have happened in his dressing room. It might have happened to Adam and Bert when they were out on tour. But it couldn't have happened on the set because we had children on the set almost every day. And that show shot in three days' time. So you'd start one on Monday, you'd end it on Wednesday, you started a new one on Thursday, you ended it on Monday, started a new one on Tuesday, ended it on Friday. So, you know, I mean, it just went on and on that way. So while we were rehearsing, they were building sets, and they would stop hammering back behind the flat in order for us to shoot. And then when we weren't doing a shot, when they were just lighting, I was off with the stunt people, you know, setting the next stunts that we were going to do. And so there's just no way that people could have been, you know, diddling one another openly behind right. flats and all of that stuff. So, um, so it's it, now the book did not sell well, and I think the reason it didn't is because people don't want, even if that were true, and some of it probably was true because they had a whole year of being really hot stuff out on the road, and so you know, even if that did happen, people don't want to know that. They want to know fun things. That's right. Yeah, they don't want to know that Robin was getting laid. Can I say <laughs> that on your radio? Show? Yes, you well, may. You just it. did. <laughs> Was they replaced it with 
a series about an actress, and I used to know who she was. I wanted to say some Leslie Arthur, someone like that. She had been a she had been a movie star at Warner Brothers, and they wanted her to play um, a, a lawyer, and she had a young sidekick, and so they, you know, and they they solved crimes. And it was going to be much cheaper to, to film because they didn't have stunts and all kinds of stuff like that. And that, so they replaced it with that, and that went, I think, only six episodes, and then they canceled that. Wow. So it was no Batman. It was no Batman. No, that's no, for sure. By, but it was cheaper. And right. so now there's an apocryphal story that, you know, I mean, it just, as best I can tell from, from you know, Mr. Dozier's papers and what people have have surfaced, you know, from from those papers. Um, no one ever ever said at a you know like at NBC, oh, we'll take it if you haven't bulldozed the Batcave. But the story was out that that NBC called and said, well, we'll take it then. If you're if ABC isn't going to do it, we'll do it as long as you still have the Batcave, you know, complete. And they'd already run a bulldozer over it so they didn't have it but um i saw no indication of that i also saw no indication that they were ever going to do a spin-off that girl although people say oh and they were going to do a spin-off of you no they weren't or if they were they sure kept it from me <laughs> but did they do i, I, I thought i saw it and I, i've seen the clip on youtube of a uh, it says a bat girl opening or something and it shows you on a on a like a bat cycle and I couldn't yeah. figure out was that something they shot as a pilot for that? If in case that they... was that seven-minute presentation, but I did ride the cycle. But if you look at that, I mean, if you see the seven-minute presentation, it looks different because you know it was just a presentation for for the executive. So I have a, a uh. mask that is pointy rather than than curved, and the reason for that was we found out that the the pointy mask looks far more bat-like, but it makes dents in your cheek, so that <laughs> now you have to sit around and wait for your face to fluff up in order to do Barbara <laughs> Gordon. And so it just it, they just said, you know, we can't wait for this. Sure. So um so I have a a, a sort of semicircle a crescent mask instead of a pointy one. And uh the bat cycle is entirely different looking because they really wanted it to look girly. So my final motorcycle looked really girly and they they took the uh it was not an easy ride. I rode a motorcycle in those days, but this one was not easy because they took the um, shocks off in order to put the bat fairings on. And so it <laughs> rode like, you know, every time you went over a pebble, it was like jumping off a table, stiff like. <laughs> but, um, but I had said to them, you know, I ride a motorcycle and I have a horrible time kick-starting it. And it kicks me back and then there's a lot of foul language that goes on. And so I said, <laughs> you may want to think about giving me something that doesn't do that. And they said, we'll give you an automatic starter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was nice of them. Yeah, it was a breeze. All you had to do was turn it on and it went. That's great. <laughs> Mila, do you have a question? Yeah, what I'm interested in is, okay, so, I mean, you've done a lot of episodic television. I believe you started out as ballet dancer. Yeah. So, but it seems, you know, you were a, a part, and in one case, you know, series, in another case, a very big part of an episode of two of the great science fiction, you know, series to come out of the 60s. Yeah. And so you must be beloved in the fan community. How does that compare? Because do you feel like it's overshadowed your other work? Are you happy to say, hey, I had a great time? Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I am happy to say, hey, I had a great time. I enjoyed every single show I ever did. I mean, you know, people look back and say, oh, those were the days. Well, I knew those were the days when they were happening. And then I think that's a gift because uh, I just thought it was wonderful. It was just so much fun. Now, my ex-roommate from the Valorous came out to visit me, and she said, why are these people interested in you? And I said, (laughs) well... Through no fault of my own, I have done nothing but cult stuff. I said, Batman had a cult, Star Trek had a cult, Elvis had a cult, and... um and, you know, Mars Needs Women was voted the one of the worst <laughs> sci-fi movies ever to be made. <laughs> I'd forgotten about the Elvis stuff. That's right. I forgot. Was, was it Kissing, no, Kissing Cousins? No, yeah, what? Kissing Cousins, and it happened at the World's Fair. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you Mars know. Needs Women! I guess. Actually, you know what? It was interesting because my agent had called me and said, you know, I'm, uh, I have a script for you called Mars Needs Women, and uh, I'm going to send it over. I said, I don't like sci-fi. And he said, well, read it anyway. So I said, okay. So I read, I read it, and it looked, I mean, it, it wasn't one of those with little green people running around, you know, and you can see the zippers up their back. <laughs> You'd already um, been one of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was kind of um, it was kind of a possibility. It, it was predicated on the fact that uh, Mars was a dying planet, and so some Martians came here in order to find women in order to uh, you know populate the planet that was already dying, and so they were looking. <laughs> In strange places, they were looking at beauty <laughs> contest winners, but uh, <laughs> I, love but that. I, I played a uh, gerontologist, and so I played a scientist that the lead Martian falls in love with and then leaves her behind because, because he doesn't want to take her to a dying planet, so that's his gift to her that she gets left behind. Oh, but, nice. Yes, yes, but I thought... Like a man? And leave him. That's yeah, right. Well, when my agent called, he said, what do you think of it? And I said, I will do it because I have to tell you, she's the smartest person in the room. <laughs> yep. So he, he said, okay. And I said, yes, I would like to play her. She's, she's really smart. And so he said, all right. So we, we did it. It was shot in three weeks. It was shot in Dallas while they were shooting uh, Bonnie and Clyde. And, oh, wow. Um, so anyway, but it was um, it, it was interesting and fun to do. <laughs> well, you know, it, when you think about the Batman show, one of the things that always stood out for me was first of all the villains. You know, Burgess Meredith and Caesar Romero and Frank Gorshin and Julie Newmar and Eartha Kid, Vincent Price. I mean, that the villain list for Batman was massive. I mean, I, t- to me oh, yeah. that that was amazing. And then also the little bat climb cameos when Batman and Robin were climbing up the wall. That was what I loved because you never knew who was going to stick their head out of the window, whether it was you know Stiller and Mira or uh, Dick Clark or Sammy Davis, Don Ho, Bruce Lee, Jerry Lewis. I mean, the list that I found yeah. online was just yeah. massive. So you got a chance to work with, even if it was just the cameo, you got a chance to meet some of the biggest stars ever. Except that by the time I did the show, they were not doing that. Oh, really? They, they oh. weren't. No, no, they weren't. They were not climbing up that wall, uh, and they weren't. Uh, they weren't on twice a week. They decided to put it on a half an hour because they were finding that when you do it twice a week, what happens is people don't have an urgency factor. So you say, "Did you watch Batman tonight?" And they say, "No," but you know, it'll be on in two days, and he'll give me a recap. And oh, so they were losing an audience because of that, they felt. And they were losing, you know, uh, uh, 
probably advertising because of that. And um, and so they decided just to do it, you know, a, a half an hour show. So, so by the time that I got on, they weren't climbing walls, picking out. They weren't doing any of that sort of um, laugh-in kind of thing. And, um, and they were just doing straight shows. So, and let me clear this up, too, for folks that are big uh, Batman trivia buffs. Uh, William Dozier was the producer, but wasn't he also the voice? He was the announcer. Yes. yes. That's amazing. Yes. So, so yeah. he said the same bat time, same bat channel. Yes. Yeah, it was Bill Dozier. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, and then something else I found. I don't know. You may not know this. I don't know. This was when the they were in negotiations. I read online that they were in negotiations with CBS before ABC picked it up to actually air it in the in '66. I heard that Mike Henry, who went on to be uh, Jackie Gleason's son, Buford T. Justice's son, in the um, Smoking the Bandit, was originally set to play Batman. And really? then, so yeah, now I don't know if that's true or not. We'll have to look that one up. Well, but I, I don't know because Kevin Burns, you know, who, who does documentaries and he does the the girls next door, or whatever, you know, that Hefner thing. Yep. Um, and he, but he's done incredible amounts of, of documentaries. And he did a documentary on the people who auditioned for certain roles. Oh, and, wow. And the people who got them. And, uh, and actually, Lyle Wagner in, uh, yes. auditioned at the same time that, that Adam did, and Adam got it. And actually, for those of you that uh, that want to see this, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I believe there is a clip on YouTube of Lyle Wagner's audition for the pilot or whatever that was. But yeah, we should check that Probably. out. Probably, it's yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Well, uh, so what are you up to now, Yvonne? Tell us what you're doing now. Well, do you know? Do you know the? Do you have kids? Yes, I have twin six and a half year old boys. Uh, uh, boys. Well, yes. you probably don't read them, Olivia. Then there's a book called oh, Olivia. Olivia. Do you yeah. know Olivia? She's isn't she that little? That's pig? a little pig. She's yes, that little pig. Yes. I'm I'm doing for um for Nickelodeon. I'm doing the voice of her grandmother. Oh wow! Oh. And so we are just. I have. I well, it's done now and it's on the air. But I had such a good time because her grandmother. Um, is me. <laughs> That's awesome. Her grandmother is, is this person who just thinks she can do no wrong. You know, <laughs> and, and I have nephews, and I feel this. I didn't have children, but I had nephews that I, that, you know, my sister graciously allowed me to, to sort of take over. And she said to me one time, <laughs> one of them was 15, and he got off the plane, and he had his ear pierced. And I said, oh, you pierced your ear. How interesting. Oh, that's just great. And she's glaring. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so she said, oh, you know, you'll be the death of me. And I said, well, I have to tell you, if they came to me and told me that they were axe murderers, I would have to say, I am so proud of you that you know how to use an axe. That is just wonderful. So, <laughs> so Olivia's grandmother just thinks that she can do no wrong. And so her, her grandmother surfs and she, and then she does magic tricks and she does yoga and she oh, teaches her cool. Tai Chi moves and, and she's just, she's a kick. <laughs> And the little girl who plays Olivia is just darling. Her name is Emily Gray. And she's, she just has a darling voice. And I thought she was about eight years old. She turns out to be 12, and they've been interviewing her. But when we first got on the show, um, because you don't always, but because there are kids, you know, and they have to go to school and all of this stuff. And then she comes from, southern, uh, from San Diego, so it was, it's 
difficult to get us all in a room together. So you generally work by yourself, but she was there. And, uh, and she said, have you ever done this before? And I said, well, I've done a lot of voiceover, but I've never done a cartoon. Have you? And she said, no. And I said, well, Emily, we're in this together. So now she's watching me, and I take off my shoes in order to work, and so she took hers off. And oh, I, cute. I, and I don't wear the, the, the earphones, so I took my earphones off, and I <laughs> hear the guy in the booth saying, Emily, keep your earphones on. <laughs> so we finally did it, and we had a snoring, and I'm snoring and snoring and snoring and getting louder, and it starts from a little nothing to this raucous, you know, apnea sound. And when we finished, she said, you did very well. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> well, I listen. Thought, I just love her. So I said to a girl who had set up this audition for me, do you think I could just steal her and keep her? But she's so smart, and I think she's going to have to go to a really good college. So do you think <laughs> it's bad taste to keep her until she's 18 and then send her back? <laughs> Maybe. Yes, exactly, exactly. Hey, Yvonne, thank you so much for taking time. And do not, don't hang up yet. When we're finished taping here, we want to ask you a couple of uh, questions. But we, we want to say thank you for taking time out. I know you have other better things to do on a Sunday night, but we really appreciate you doing this. This oh, takes you're us, more than welcome. It really takes us down memory lane, and, and uh, we just love this. And our listeners really appreciate it. Good. Myla, the, the yes. time has come where we wrap yes. up. What have, what have we learned today? Well, Eric... What we learned on the show today, we learned what that girl wore, as well as what that girl <laughs> wore underneath her costume. We learned it's not easy being green, and if your makeup is smearing, try liquid Band-Aid. <laughs> we also learned that it was not hard for Yvonne Craig to stab William Shatner. We learned that Adam West has broad shoulders, so much so he's a human eclipse. Yes. And we learned that small children enjoy the sound of Yvonne Craig's snoring. Yes, Fair very enough. good. Nicely done as usual, Myla. <laughs> yeah, you know what? This is um, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, as usual, Myla, I think that uh, we need to to uh, remind everybody that if they want to read more about this, you can always go to our website, which is waitiknowthis.com. And of course, Absolutely. yes, that we have all the information there. And actually, I did a little bit. If you go to our blog site, which you can link to from our website, you'll see lots of links to get to the blog site. Um, we uh, have also posted a couple of YouTube clips uh, with Yvonne in the Batgirl days. Also, one that was really interesting. It was a PSA done uh, that uh, Yvonne did as Batgirl. That was really cool. And um, so, yeah, go check that out if you have if you have time. And uh, also, don't forget that uh, next week we are efforting. Mila doesn't even know this yet. We are efforting to get a couple of stars from Facts of Life. One. <laughs> I know. Milo's excited now. I'm not going to say who yet because we haven't had confirmation of anybody yet. One was one came in later on in the series and was there for a while and was really interesting actress for, for a special reason that we'll uh, talk about next week. And then we're seeing who else we can book for the show, too. So don't forget that Sunday, March 15th at 7 o'clock. And Milo, can you remind everybody how they can get on the show if they want to ask questions of our guests live when we're taping, how they can do that? Absolutely. Of course, our call-in number is, is 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Call 724-444-7444. Our call ID is 33219. If you're a talk show member, you'll dial your PIN. If not, dial 1 plus the pound key. Do that 7 o'clock next Sunday, and you can join in the fun. Of course, as Eric mentioned, you can always listen to previous shows on our archive. Our website is waitinotice.com. 
or you can also download them on iTunes. Search for Eric Chilton. Absolutely. That's the way we do it. So we want to say thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. Of course, it's the show that brings you the trivia from the stars, the fastest growing pop culture trivia show online. We'll see you next week for Wait, I Know This. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.